Hi, and welcome to Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We are committed to serving our community and the community abroad. We pray that the word you are about to hear will be a blessing to your life and that you allow the Holy Spirit to open your heart and receive what the Lord is speaking to you. Well, hey, good morning, church family. I hope that everyone is doing well. Uh, I just want to welcome everyone who is joining us online this morning, wherever you are watching or streaming from and whatever device you are watching and streaming on. We are genuinely excited that you guys would take part in uh, being a part of our online weekend experience. And so we just want to welcome you uh, today as, as we worship. You know, we have been in a collection of talks over the past uh, several weeks around this idea of For the One. And For the One simply means this, that we exist as the people of God for the One. And that One is the glory of God, our Heavenly Father. Our lives need to be that, that it is sacrificial worship to God, that in everything that we do in our life, we are ultimately giving glory to God. But it also means that we exist for the one, for the one who is far from God and has yet to come into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And we've said this before, but our mission here at the church is to lead people who are far from God into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so this whole series, we've been talking about what this means for us and what this looks like for us. And we've also been challenging you guys to be able to take next steps, to be able to grow in your faith. And, and ultimately, uh, we've got two more weeks left today and then next week as well. And my hope is that through all of this right here, God will be glorified and the kingdom of God will end up expanding. And that ultimately, Jesus will get all glory, honor, and praise. And so wherever you're watching, would you please bow your heads and just join with me in a moment of prayer. Father, I just thank you for an opportunity to be able to dive into your word. And I just ask that you would speak to the hearts of everyone uh, that is watching us, whether they're watching us online, uh, through YouTube or Facebook or wherever it may be, God, that you would just speak to them, that you would be with them and that God, ultimately your kingdom would end up growing through this series as we prepare for the fall season. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you got your scripture, I'm going to be in two areas today. The first area is going to be Acts chapter 2, and then we're going to jump to 1 Peter chapter 2. Um, but I want, to, I want to kind of talk around this idea of the family of God, of the family of God and what it means to be a part of the family of God. And we've really been hitting on this, this entire series is that ultimately we are saved from our sin and we are called to be a part of the community or the family of God. And so a, a few weeks ago, I, I talked about this and I think now more than ever, it's more prevalent and it's more imperative that we, we wrap our minds around what is happening. Like we are a part of the global church. Right now, there are two point, I believe it's 2.1, 2.2 billion people who are born again Christians who are working worshiping Jesus. And ultimately that makes up the kingdom that makes up a family. And the goal is that the kingdom and the family will continue to grow, will continue to expand and be able to reach more people who not, might not necessarily have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But as I talked about a few weeks ago, and for all of us that are watching here in the States, in the United States of America, I think that this is extremely important. You turn on CNN, you turn on Fox News, MSNBC, you go on Twitter, you go on Facebook and you're seeing these horrific images, horrific images of these men and women 
who are under immense persecution right now in Afghanistan because of the Taliban stepping in literally last week and taking over the country in just a matter of days. You have Christians in Afghanistan and possibly beyond that who are under immense persecution. And they are our brothers and sisters through Christ. Christ has set them apart. Christ has called them apart just like he's done that with us. And so I want to just speak to all of us watching for, for just a moment before I dive into this. I want to challenge us, number one, to be praying, to be praying fervent, serious prayers for our brothers and sisters. Number two, I want to challenge you to be praying for boldness for the persecuted church, just to be praying that God would get glory through this horrific incident that's taking place in Afghanistan. We cannot forget about that. And number three, I want to speak to all of us about this for just a moment. Listen, I know that COVID-19 has made it extremely easy to not be engaged in a biblical community, to not be engaged in the family of God. But right now there are men and women who are in Afghanistan who are worshiping God in caves and in their basements and in underground hiding out that are saying that they are literally not going to stop meeting even if that means their life. And so for all of us here in the States, I want to challenge us. I want us to really think about this. Is our faith causing us to be a part and to contribute to the kingdom of God? Or are we just consuming from the kingdom of God? Ultimately, we're all in this together. And, and that's kind of what I want to talk about today. I don't know about you guys, but I used to like to work out. I still do like to work out, but the pandemic kind of messed all that up. And um, I started eating a lot of sweets. And for whatever reason, I'm liking ice cream again, which ice cream kills my stomach. Not that you need to know that. But whenever I was working out, there there's, there's two gyms that I would go to. One was the YMCA in East Greenbush in upstate New York. And, and the YMCA was exactly what you would think of like your... Um, people that wanted to feel like they were working out but never actually broke a sweat. Like you'd go in there and you'd lift a little bit and then you'd see someone, they're just flexing in front of the mirror and they're just, you know, taking a picture for the gram or whatever it may be. And, and they'd literally go in there and they'd work out for like 10 or 15 minutes and then they'd go drink the cucumber infused uh, sparkling water to make them feel good. And then they'd splash their face with a little bit of water to make it look like they broke a sweat. And then they would walk out with their swag on and they think that they just got a real healthy workout. And then there's these, this other gym that I visited in downtown Albany called Albany Strength and Fitness. And if you've ever been there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. See, this gym was a fraction of the cost to be able to get into it, but it was legitimately a box. You walked into this gym. Um, there are people that are grunting and screaming and, and deadlifting hundreds of pounds. There's rap music or hardcore music blaring over the speaker and every Everyone there has one mission, and that is to work their tail off to be able to get in shape or to be able to achieve whatever fitness goal there was. And, and so I look at this and I compare EGYMCA and then Albany, or Albany uh, Strength, Albany Strength, and, and I look at these, and one is really attractive and nice on the outside, but it's not producing a lot of results. And then the other is grimy and nasty and stinky, and it smells like a high high school football locker room, but the people that come out of that are seeing the results that they want in their life. Here's, here's what I'm getting at. 
It is easy for us as the church to fall into the comfort category and to get our sparkling cucumber flavor infused water that we splash on our face, our face to make our faith feel like we've actually done something instead of to go into the, the house of God or to be with the people of God and to actually get to work and to do something. Are we the YMCA or are we the box gym where we're going to go in there and we're going to bust our tail because the church of Jesus Christ is called to be on mission, to live on mission, and ultimately to be in a community with one another. And, and here's the thing about Albany Strength. Albany Strength, if you're wearing their shirt, you have rep in the community. People know who you are. Oh, you work out at that gym. I'm not going to go to that gym because y'all are serious about working out and like people will actually yell at you if you're not working out. And, and, and so you kind of, you kind of built, you're just different if you go to this box gym. And, and maybe that's the case here in Brooklyn is, is, is we also uh, probably experience that where you've got like this, you know, whatever the new fad is with gyms. And, and here's, here's my point. Here's my point. Jesus did not call his church to be a church that consumes, but calls his church to be set apart and to be different and to be fervent and serious about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so my question that I want to open up with today is, are you going to the comfortable church where you can consume, or are you going to the uncomfortable church where you're invited to get your hands and your feet dirty for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me take it a step further. Are you taking your faith serious, as in going to the box gym, getting into your scripture, being in the family of God, being in the community of God, and setting yourself apart, or are you living a complacent lifestyle, and you put on the t-shirt, the little Christian swag t-shirt, to make you feel like you've done something, and once every six weeks you decide to go to church? What are you doing? Here, here's what I'm getting at. And you're like, Michael, how on earth does this tie into it? Here's, here's what I'm getting at. Since Genesis chapter 1, God has been after one thing, and that is a people who have a heart to be able to worship him and to be able to be a part of the family of God. And ultimately, that is what God is desiring. You, you see, Genesis chapter 1, God creates the heaven and the stars, the birds and the water and the fish and all of that, and then he creates man in his image. Literally, Scripture says, let us, plural, create man in our image. Again, plural. You see, in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, that there is the word of God, which ends up being Jesus that we see in the New Testament. There is a creator, which is our heavenly father, and that there is a spirit hovering over the earth. And ultimately, with all of that, you see God is in community with himself, and God is desiring to be able to create a community on this earth that lives in community and also communes with God that are set apart in his holy people. And we know how the story goes, right? God creates Adam, and then out of Adam, he ends up creating Eve because he said it isn't good for man to live alone. And so he creates a helper, which is woman, which we now know of as, as Eve. And then they sin, and sin enters into the world. And from the moment of Genesis chapter 11, Genesis chapter 12, with God and his covenant with Abraham, God has set, said, I'm creating in you a nation that is going to end up being more than the stars in the sky. Essentially, what God was saying is this. I want there to be a people who are set apart for me, who are a part of the family of God, who are part of the kingdom of God, and who are living this out fervently with strength and with, with honor and with desire. 
And you see all throughout the Old Testament, it's pointing back to God calling the people of God to a place of repentance, to turn their hearts from their idols and then to turn their hearts to him. And then Jesus shows up on the scene and Jesus does life and does his ministry and he does everything that he needs to do with one sole purpose to seek and save those that are lost so that they could be coming into the family of God. Now, here's where I'm going with this. We can either be like the box gym where we are a part of a community that's different, that's set apart, and that's living on mission, or we can be like the YMCA where we go and we just constantly get our needs met. We constantly consume but there's no true transformation that ends up taking place in our hearts and in our life and no fruit that is produced with all of that. So let me jump to Acts chapter 2 because this is after Jesus' ascension and this is, this is what takes place. Acts chapter 2 verses 42. This is right after the day of Pentecost. 3,000 plus believers are saved. He says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. And all came over every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. So, so maybe they didn't speak the same language, but they had things in common because of Jesus. They were in unity with one another. They were living on mission with one another. And this is what it continues on. And they were selling their possessions and belongings, and they were distributing their proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, catch this, day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received the food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their numbers day by day those that were being saved. So, so here's something that I just want to say real quick, and I, I think it's important and imperative for us to be able to understand this. As children of God, as the people of God, we are called to be set apart, to be different, to act different, to live a life that is holy and pleasing to our Heavenly Father, but also to live a life that is um, being an example and a light of the world or to the world to the people who are far from God. And, and so, like, if you go to the box gym, you're a part of this secret workout macho men and women club family and you've got mutual respect it doesn't matter if you bench 165 or if you're benching 350 if you go to the gym and you've got the t-shirt and you're there faithfully you're a part of the family regardless of where you are on your workout journey and everyone in that community knows the difference between you going to the Y and you going to the box gym and and and, and again you're set apart. They expect something different. And, and so we see in Acts chapter 2, once again, God calls people. He sets them apart. There's multiple different nations, multiple different tribes that are represented. And, and what, what happened is they set themselves apart. They took care of one another and an awe came over the community. An awe, an awestruck, and a wonder of like, what is it about these people that makes them so different? What is it about these people that, that sets them apart? And, and 
and here's what, what the, the big thing was. They loved the Lord your God. They loved Jesus with their whole heart to the point that, that 11 of the apostles ended up dying a brutal martyr death because of their love for Jesus. And number two, they loved one another. We even see right here that they took care of one another. They sold their belongings to make sure the, the community of faith was taken care of. Now, now listen. If we see this today, we would probably look at, at a situation like that and we would say, man, that, that is a cult. That's a cult, right? It's like, what are they doing? They're living in community with one another. They go over to each other's house every day. Look, my wife is introverted, and as much as I love her, she will tell you, you do not show up at our house every day. Like, maybe once a week, if you're lucky, right? No, I'm joking, I'm joking. Um, but, like, it, it was something different, something ingrained. And because of that, they had favor in the community at large because of how they treated one another at large. Now, this is, this is what I want to get to right here. Second Peter, I'm sorry, 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 9. This is Peter, the Apostle Peter, the same one that gets up on the day of Pentecost and ends up preaching his heart out. And this is what he said. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So a few things to point out. Number one is that you is not singular, that you probably should be what I would like to call Texas slang, a y'all, you guys, you people, you over here, you Christians, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. So like I started out with all of this saying is God has been from the beginning of creation desiring the people of God, a community of people who are going to make Jesus as their primary focus, live their life in loving God and loving people and have no other idols before him. He says that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Meaning that you were once in darkness, in your sin, in your transgressions, in your shame, in your guilt, in your adultery, in your pornography addiction, in your addiction or whatever it may be, and you were stuck over here in the darkness, and by the grace of God, you have been called into the marvelous light, and the light of Christ ends up shining upon you, and all of the filthiness and the junk in your life is exposed, and at that moment, the grace of God came upon you and you were set apart as a holy nation, as a royal priesthood, and as someone that is a part of the chosen race. And he did this so that he could be in community with you and have right relationship with you. And so, yes, we are different as Christians. Yes, we should love one another and love our friends and love our neighbors and love our enemies and love the politicians who we don't necessarily like or didn't even vote for. Yes, we are called to love the people that are persecuting other Christians. This is what sets Christianity apart from every other religion is Christianity says, what can I contribute to the needs and the well-being of society where our our society says it's only about 
you. And and so what happens is, and this is where I kind of want to start to land the plane, because today's all about the next generation. You're probably wondering, we haven't even talked about the next generation. Don't worry, I'm about to. Here's the thing. Our society right now is indoctrinating and teaching you that it's all about you. It's all about you, the, the, the commercials that you consume, the TV shows that you consume, how much money is in your bank account, how much junk or stuff do you have that's stacked up. It's all about you getting a bunch of stuff, and the kingdom of God is completely flipped and backwards and says, no, it's all about us collectively. It's all about the kingdom of God. It's all about the advancement of the kingdom of God. And you and I, we each have a part and a role to play. But he says this in verse 10. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So once we were over here in complete darkness, living our life, not entirely sure what to do, but upon coming into the light of God, our sin was exposed and we become a part of the family of God. And, and so here's, here's something I want to say that I, I think is incredibly important and, and I believe is theologically accurate. I am not a sinner anymore. Hear me out. I am not a sinner. And, and the reason I'm not a sinner is because my God calls me a royal priest, a part of the chosen race, a saint. And so, listen, this is something that I wrestled with for years, and I've come to this conclusion. I am not a sinner anymore. I am a saint who ends up sinning. But because my identity is in Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter how many times I sin, I can get back up, I can repent, and I can keep living my life. Now, this is where I want to start to really land the plane. This is the second plane that we're landing, right? This one of those preachers where we're closing. This is my second closing out of five, all right? So just bear with me. Are the next generation, my children and your children, they matter to God. The, the next generation is not the future church. They are the church of today. The next generation will be the future politicians in this world. I, I want you to wrap your, your mind around this. The people who are in high school right now in 15 years are going to be able to run for president of the United States. The people who we have put into lockdowns, the people who have, weren't able to experience graduation and they had to do it all through Zoom, all of those people are going to be the politicians and the leaders of the free world in 20 years from now. And so what are we instilling into the next generation? If we're instilling them into the next generation that, oh, we go to church when we feel like we want to go to church, or, oh, we're a part of it, you know, but we're not going to really contribute a whole lot. What we're teaching the next generation is that you need to prioritize your own stuff over the kingdom of God. And what the kingdom of God says, if you're prioritizing anything over the kingdom of God, anything over the lordship of Jesus Christ, it's idolatry and it's a sin. But instead, we teach people, uh, you know, you got a soccer game, go to your soccer game, have fun. You know, don't, don't trip. I know you do a lot of running. 
Good job, little Joe. Oh, you got T-ball? You got T-ball? Okay. Look, I'm not bashing on sports. My son, he's involved in Taekwondo. He, he loves sports. He wants to play soccer. I, I have no problem with that. What I have a problem with is parents that take these sports activities or these music activities and they make it the God of their eight-year-old. And instead of your eight-year-old turning to the heart of your Heavenly Father, they're turning towards an extracurricular activity to be able to satisfy them. And guess what happens whenever little Johnny doesn't become the next NFL player? He's let down. He's let down. We are a race, a chosen race. We are the people of God. We are royal priests. And we collectively, as a church, have a primary responsibility to be able to love God and to love people. And a part of loving people is sometimes we have to sacrifice our own desires to be able to pour into the next generation. And, and, and listen, I, I get it. I get it. Have you ever held a screaming baby? If you have, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's not very fun. You're holding the baby, you know, rock, bye, baby. You're just singing, you're like patting the baby on the back. Next thing you know, they puke up all over you. You know, maybe you don't want to do that, but that baby needs you to do that. And instead of you just sitting there begrudgingly holding that child, why don't you start praying over that child? Why don't you start prophesying over that child? Why don't you start, even before one year's old, start instilling into that child biblical principles and their love or the potential love for God. Because that child is one day going to turn three and that three-year-old is going to one day turn six and that six-year-old one day is going to turn 16 and that 16-year-old is one day going to be out into the real world and are we showing them that they are a chosen race? Are we showing them that they're a royal priesthood? Are we showing them that the church is called to go to the box gym and to get sweaty and dirty and to live on mission? Or are we showing them that Christianity is all about drinking your infused, sparkling, cucumber-flavored water? What are we showing them? Because the kingdom of God comes by violence and force. And I'm not talking about like literal violence. I'm talking about spiritual warfare. Christianity today? I don't know. I don't, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I know right now we have a lot of people who call themselves Christians. And they have the t-shirt. But they're not willing to get dirty. They're not willing to raise up the next generation. They're not willing to be sacrificial in their life and to pour it all out. And right now, we have an opportunity as a church to invest into the next generation, to pour into the next generation, and to raise up young men and women who will become ferocious leaders for the kingdom of God. Why? Because we have been called into the marvelous light, set apart for him. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for an opportunity to be able to dive into your word, God. And I just ask that right now you would just speak to us. Father, I just ask that you would protect our brothers and sisters over in Afghanistan. Father, the people that are being persecuted right now as we speak, that you would just be with them. God, I just ask that as we continue on today, that your word would permeate our heart, speak to our heart, Father. I thank you for your grace, and I thank you that we are called to be set apart. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. 
Amen. We pray that you were blessed by this word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at resurrectionchurchofny.com or give us a call at 718-436-0242 and be sure to follow us on Instagram at reschurchnyc. Take care and God bless.